Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today, uh, we are recording another podcast with Jennifer Higgy. Uh, is that right, Jennifer? That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you want to, to listen more about Jennifer's career, uh, we just posted a podcast uh, prior to this one about Jennifer's career. And today we are in our research call. Uh, so before we go ahead and get started, let me go and call Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. So, Brooke, what what are we going to be talking with Jennifer today? Uh, I know, like she mentioned about her advisor job uh, in a previous uh, episode, but what is, what is the thing that we will be covering today about more of specifically of, of her research? So today we're going to talk a little bit about a survey that she did um, about using byproducts to feed dairy cattle. Um, so Jennifer, could you just kind of talk to us about the project and how you came up with the idea for it? Sure, sure. So um, over the years, I have been involved in a, a you know, a couple different byproduct projects. And, you know, you, you do your late review and, you, you know, you're looking for information. And I, I just thought, man... For as many byproducts as we feed in California, we really don't have good numbers, um, you know, over over a large amount of, of animals in the state. Um, so, you know, surveys, I know surveys, you know, there's pros and cons to doing surveys, but um, they really are a really good, quick way to, you know, kind of assess um, an industry mm-hmm. um, as a whole versus, you know, making inferences from, from you know, data points kind of collected in, in you know, um, different spots. So, um, so yeah, so I, I wanted, you know, I wanted to be able to actually better quantify byproduct usage in California. Cause it's, a, I mean, it's a great sustainability story for lots of reasons. That's, that's really nice. So uh, by doing that survey, is there anything that came up that like, what, what are, can you just go over some of the major results? What are the main byproducts that you see? And, and we can talk later about something that, that maybe you were not expecting that people were using to feed cattle. Like we know byproducts are super important and cattle are super important in using byproducts. But can you just uh, talk with us about the main findings of this survey? Sure, sure. Um, so I should say that, you know, to do this survey, I, I um, surveyed nutritionists. Okay. So I, I um, you know, asked dairy cattle nutritionists because, you know, they are the quickest way to make those dairy cow numbers just increase, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, nutritionists, you know, some, you know, some of them um, advise for, you know, just a couple dairies and you've got, you know, others, you know, 50, 60 dairies that they advise for in the state. Um, so I, you know, I went to the dairy cattle nutritionist to ask these questions mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I think, I think, I don't know if it was surprising because California is a very big state and we've got very, you know, we've got distinct regions. You've got the San Joaquin Valley where I am, which I think, you know, about 90% of the milk is produced here in the, in the San Joaquin Valley. Um, and then you've got, you know, your North and your coast, and then you've got Southern California. Um, so, uh, you know, very diverse, different systems, um, throughout the state. So I don't know that I was surprised, but, you know, from the responses, there are some people who, you know, feed very little byproduct in their rations, which probably makes sense. If you're in a remote location mm-hmm. um, and you're not getting, you know, the byproducts that we are in the Valley, the Valley produces so many different commodities. Um, byproducts are, you know, easy to, I, mean, I don't know if they're easy to find, but they're, they're more um, prevalent in the, in the Valley, I would imagine. Um, and then, you know, you've got the dairies who are just really pushing the limits of what we thought was possible or what we thought was normal 
um, for byproduct feeding. So I think that was, I don't know if it was surprising, but it was interesting to see just that variation of, of feeding strategy throughout the state, again, which makes sense based on geographication of dairies. Mm -hmm. That's nice. And in San Joaquin Valley, are there any byproducts that come up more often, like almond hulls? I, I would imagine that. Like, is is there anything else uh, that, that you would like to mention? Sure. So, you know, even from a previous um, byproduct survey that I did with nutritionists, al almond hulls are the, you know, the, the predominant you know, almost everyone feeds almond hulls. Not everybody, but we we feed a lot of almond hulls, which makes sense. We grow a lot of almonds in California, um, so I think almond hulls are probably uh, the the king of of byproducts at the moment. I I see, but one one thing that I have, and I don't know if you asked that, but did the nutritionist made any comment about the the challenge of feeding byproducts? Like, is there or is there anything that they they always like to have before feeding byproducts. Like what are they usually looking when they're feeding byproducts? It's always price or what, what else do you think? So we, you know, we had that question, you know, some of, you know, it was a multiple choice. So some of the options were price, um, you know, they're cheap. Um, we also have value. So they're, they're worth their price. So price and value are, you know, two different, two different topics. Sometimes we might get them confused. Um, and then, you know, things like just availability, they're, they're there. So I use them. So we do have that information. I don't have it on the top of my head, what each of the selections were. Um, we're just, we're wrapping up the survey part of this project. Um, and we're going to move into some like dairy audits uh, of sorts. So we're going to, we're going to visit some dairy farms that are feeding those really high levels. So 60, 70, 80% byproducts in their, wow. in their ration. So we're going to visit them and look at their production and their reproduction and, uh, you know, look at their feeding levels of things. Um, again, it's not going to, you know, that's not going to be, it's going to be treated more as case studies. Yes. Um, so, but unfortunately I don't have all the, I don't have all the results of the survey um, completely at the top tongue. No, right but now. that that's interesting. I like for me, it's surprising to see that some farms are feeding like, like you said, 60, 70%. Byproducts, that's that's amazing because I mean one of the beauties on byproducts to me is like you can convert something that wasn't it's not useful for a different industry into milk, which is a very nutritious product, for example. That's amazing to me. Right. Uh, yeah, it's that upcycling of these nutrients um into you know milk and 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 beef, right? We yes, we you know it's both. Um so, you know, that's one component. Another component is, you know, for like right now we're in a drought, you know, mm -hmm. feeding these byproducts in place of other things. And so that was another question that's in there that I don't have summarized right now. But, you know, you know, what are your top byproducts for replacing forages? Mm -hmm. um, and what, you know, what are your top byproducts for replacing concentrates? Mm -hmm. um, you know, because we know that there's reasons for both. You know, there were some rail issues where concentrates, you know, weren't coming in from out of state. And so, you know, how, you know, how people could potentially replace byproduct is important. The same as, you know, when we, you know, if we can't grow corn silage or as much corn silage. So some of those questions of how byproducts can fit into different feeding schemes, I think is going to be important moving forward. It is. It is. That's very and and one thing that I just came up and and I know I know I'm gonna get off topic on this research here, but I know you've done some research uh, with this byproduct as well is with almond hulls. Uh, is there? I'm curious to, to if I know you've done some research with almond hulls, but uh, what are the main 
points that you would like to like to say when if I'm deciding should if I should feed almond hulls or not? What are the main things that I should know before uh, feeding almond hulls? And like you mentioned, should I re about replacing forage or should I replace forage or concentrate? What are some some concerns that you you often see when you're feeding almond hulls, for example? Sure. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a cop out and say talk to your nutritionist. Um, nice. You know that's it's very important because a lot of it's going to depend on what other feedstuffs you have available and and how it's not just for almond holes for any feedstuff or byproduct. Mm -hmm. How you fit it in is it's dependent on what else that you have available. Mm -hmm. um, and so on um, on our conference website. So if you googled California Dairy, uh, no, sorry, Golden State Dairy Management. Um, and you go to our website, um, you know, we've got some presentations and things there. Um, we, there is on the left navigation pane, um, an almond hole section. So we've got, um, basically a really nice comprehensive, um, presentation that Ed, De Dr. Ed DePeters from UC Davis gave at the California Animal Nutrition Conference in May. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he goes through a lot of considerations of digestibility and, and quality, you know, you know, not every almond whole load is the same. So knowing what quality you're feeding. Um, so there's, there's lots of really good practical considerations in that presentation. So, you know, if, if folks have the time and the interest, I would say, you know, Google Golden State Dairy Management, and then go to that left navigation pane and, and you know, click on those almond whole resources. Cause I think there's a lot of good information there. That's nice. That, I, I, I will be looking at that as well now. Like uh, it's, it's good. I mean, we were in the, in the meeting and I remember seeing his talk and I, and say, man, I should go back and watch his presentation. So Golden State Dairy Management, uh, if if somebody that's listening to us wants to hear more about it. Uh, so I think, uh, Brooke, is there like, are there any questions that I'm missing here? Uh, just one question I have, because we know that surveys are notoriously difficult <laughs> to get responses from, get all that data um, put together. Um, and it sounds like you went straight to the source of the nutritionist to kind of streamline that. But were there any other um, challenges that you had in developing the survey and getting it out and getting those responses? Sure, sure. So, you know, sir, developing a survey, asking a question in a way that, you know, you're going to get useful information, but it's not too burdensome, not a not a burden on the person filling out the survey can be very difficult. I mean, there's so much I want to know, but there, you know, you get past like 10 minutes and no one wants to finish your survey. So I think, you know, that, that, um, that sweet spot of I'm, I'm asking information that's going to be useful, but I'm not being so big of a burden on these people that they never want to see an email from me again. Um, I think that's a challenge. And then it, the response rate, I mean, I think industry standard for like a, um, in the, uh, like a producer survey, 10 to 15%, 10 to 15% response rate is normal, mm -hmm. which is not, which is not a lot. So I think, you know, um, that's one of the biggest challenges. And that's why I went, you know, I tried that and I did, I think I got 12% response rate, I think. Um, and so that's why I wanted to go to the dairy, uh, nutritionist, because I knew even if I got, you know, and I don't even know what my denominator is on on you know that response rate for nutritionists i reached out to to known nutritionists i compiled lists from different people and you know um but i knew as long as the cow number mm -hmm. was large 
that I was going to be represented. You know, it didn't matter if I reached 25 nutritionists or 250 nutritionists. If I can get to a million, I didn't get to a million cows, but if I could, you know, if I could get to a million cows, say Mm -hmm. that's a good, that's a pretty good representation of the industry. Um, So I think, you know, again, it's, it's work around. And every time I do a survey, I learn something, something that I've done wrong, I should say, (laughs) um, that I can do better for the next one. That's nice. So yeah, one one last question. Um, you you mentioned that you're finishing up. So, uh, what is next? Are you guys working on on getting this published? Like, or is there any information already available? Uh, so, and something that you are planning to share in your uh, newsletter. What, what is the next step now? For sure. Yeah. So we are working on on publication. The survey results we will um, you know we will submit for publication. Um, and then yes, it, um, I will have newsletters in our golden state dairy management newsletter. Um, you know, I'll probably present this next year at the farm show. We usually do dairy seminars at the farm show or the world ag expo in Tulare. Um, it'll probably be at a golden state dairy management conference. So yeah, once, um, once that meeting year kicks off, we will have lots of information summarized, um, on, on byproduct feeding in California that I think. Um, will be. I think it'll be interesting for folks. Hopefully, yes. No, I at least for us, I'm sure it will be interesting. Uh, and anything else, Brooke? Nope. Okay. Anything else, Jennifer, that we didn't cover that you would like to mention now? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just you know, go check out that website, and um, you know, if if anyone has any any suggestions or you know ideas for you know other things that we should be looking at with byproducts or or feeding or you know basically anything, um, you know, I'm always I'm always welcoming people to send me emails or or call me about uh, things that they think extension should be working on. Awesome, that's great. I mean, for those of you who are listening listening to us. Uh, we will leave the the Golden State Dairy Management link website here, the newsletter as well, uh, for folks who who want to read and and know more about this. Uh, like I said, I'm interested on in that, so I'm probably going to be looking on that pretty soon. And so, Jennifer, thank you uh, once again for joining us. We appreciate uh, you taking the time and and sharing a lot of good information with us. Thank you very much. Of course, thank you for having me. Thank you. So, yeah, so for those of you who are listening, uh, again, the, to to read more about this, uh, Jennifer, to read about the, dis, uh, the description of Jennifer's episode, just uh, subscribe to our monthly newsletter. We just launched another episode with her about her career. So just go back in our previous episode to learn more about her career as well. Uh, and if you have questions, comments, please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Whispers are a-jingling, a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle.